Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of A Crazy Dream. Today we have Rashad Lambert joining us. He is an ideator, an entrepreneur, Forbes 30 Under 30 nominee, and a man who was about his business, doing a really great job at helping others and sharing knowledge and information. Thank you for joining us, Rashad. And thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So I'm really thankful for social media because I come across so many amazing people. And when I saw your page, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to reach out to him to see if I can interview him. So I wanted to start by first getting into, you know, we meet a lot of people who are in the nonprofit realm. I wanted to know how you got into charity work and, you know, that kind of, um, you know, that kind of uh, work. So I would have to say that I owe all of the thanks and the inspiration and all of that. I would have to uh, uh, to attribute that to my mother. Um, I have been uh, working in the nonprofit slash charity space since, I mean, as far back as I can remember. Um, my mom would, would uh, take my sister and I out to go feed the homeless or working where I grew up in the church. So uh, growing up in the church, my mom was a deacon, an elder, and everything else you can be besides a pastor. So uh, we did a lot of, you know, work that as it relates to uh, uh, the Christian religion and like the different, uh, you know, tenets of that uh, when I was practicing uh, a practice in Christianity, um, we would go out to do a lot of different things. My mom was a mentor. She did a junior achievement. Um, uh, like I said, feeding the homeless. Uh, we did a program called uh, Feast Incarnate. So Feast Incarnate was every Tuesday um, where we would go to uh, University Lutheran Church, which is in uh, University City, and we would feed those uh, I'll read those who were, I mean, uh, uh, feed, not read, I'm sorry, feed those who were affected by and infected with AIDS and HIV. Um, Hello? Can you hear me? Oh, sorry, yeah, cut yeah. off. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it, got it. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, there are people who are, uh, uh, people who are infected with and affected by um AIDS and HIV. Um, so we would uh, feed their families and feed them, uh, people who were who who were homeless um, and, th- and things of that nature. Um, so that's I mean that uh, oh, that was kind of my start. Um, I stopped um, participating in that program in 2009 only because. Um, there, uh, that program, while while it's a great, uh, oh, 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 it's a great program, it's uh, strictly uh, uh, denominational. So, with uh, with that, um, it kind of was was a uh, limiting. Um, a lot of people didn't want to participate because they may not have been, you know, they may not have been Christian. So I started my nonprofit in 2009, um, and I began doing something pretty similar to to uh, a feast incarnate. I mean, we, would, uh, we just didn't do it every Tuesday. I mean, we would do one big event uh, per year, and through uh, throughout the year, uh, we would do different uh, different pop-ups where we would go to 
uh, going to Center City in Philadelphia, or we would go to different areas and do pop-ups where we would, you know, feed whoever was around. Um, now, there was really no program or or structure in the beginning. We just were trying to, you know, provide for those who we knew were in need. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people listening or who are going to hear this are going to be thinking, you know, how can I get started with something like that? You know, what would you say to the person listening who wants to give back or who sees a need, who doesn't know how to begin on that journey? So, uh, so the first thing um, I think, or 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 the most important thing, um, is that you uh, you have to have a passion for what it is that you want to do. Um, if if you're really serious about trying to help people or trying to get into like the charity space, so you have to kind of uh, 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 figure out a way to help that is not already or 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 a way to meet a need that's not already being met. Um, a lot of times there are a lot of people who are doing a lot of good work, and then there are there are a lot of people who are doing work for all the wrong reasons, and it's because they may want to look like they are they are helping more than they are actually helping. So when uh, uh, when you get into this work, I think the first thing to do is figure out if you want to be a nonprofit, or what you don't necessarily have to be a nonprofit. You can start an organization. You can team up with some people. There's a lot of you know there, uh, there's a lot of um, of ways that you can that you can get into the space. You don't necessarily have to come in and 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 become a 501c3. Uh, when we first started out, um, I didn't have a 501c3, so I couldn't really accept donations. You know, with you know that that were were uh, that were um, uh, tax deductible. It really was. If people donated, fine. If not, then I would just pay for of everything myself um, because I felt like. I, I, uh, one of my main goals is that with my business, I work a lot in the communities in Philadelphia as far as the uh, uh, the inner city communities. So my, my original goal was to give back to uh, 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 to the communities where I do business because I wanted to. Um, I don't just want to go into communities and take from the community. I want to be able to provide something to give something back. So so I would dedicate a a a uh, a percentage of my profits to giving back each year. Um, that was uh, my start. So I guess, the, I mean, I guess the short answer would be to figure out how you could fund it, and then you can really just start to think about which portion do you actually want to work on? Like, why are you doing this work? What, what are you trying to achieve? And then work towards that goal. I love it. So you talked a little bit about your business and using those funds to help support you in your charity work. Could you tell the listeners about your business, you know that side of things. Sure. So I run a I run a uh, Six Sigma uh, digital marketing firm. Uh, Six Sigma is a is a, a business process improvement strategy that was uh, developed by uh, Xerox in 1998. Um, I took that strategy and I fused it with uh, with marketing, which hadn't been done before, because the goal is to uh, to minimize rework. Um, a lot of times when you get into into marketing or you hire someone to do your marketing for you, it's kind of uh, like hit and miss. You really you're not sure if it's going to work or not. You want to try to see if you know try a couple things and you know stick with what works. 
our strategy is a little bit different. We we base the plan that uh, uh, that we create for our marketing clients on what has worked for uh, similar clients in the past or for similar projects in the past. Even if we've never had a project like that, uh, we do our research and we kind of start at the uh, start at the outcome and work backwards instead of starting at the outset and trying to work forward to an outcome. Uh, I like that. Okay. So to the person who might be studying marketing or going to school for marketing, you know, what might or even someone who's not going to school but who has their own business, what are what would be some advice you might give them when it comes to maybe some marketing tips or ways to do that effectively in their own business? Can you say that question one more time? I, uh, oh, yeah. My phone was cutting off. Sorry. Oh, yeah. And I was just saying, like, thinking about, you know, what you just described, so we have a lot of people who are studying marketing or people who are interested in marketing their own businesses. What are some, you know, tips that you might be able to give them where, you know, maybe, you know, they might, of course, contact you in the future, but what are some tips that you would give them to do that process of where you start from the goal and work your way back? So, so um, I think a lot of what I of, – of what I know about about marketing came from a, a couple of different places, and one of those is uh, from uh, uh, from actual Six Sigma. So studying Six Sigma is something that I would definitely recommend. But two two other things that I would recommend that most people don't do when they're when uh, they're looking into marketing. So marketing is is a fusion concentration, and what I mean by that is it's it's the uh, the perfect union between psychology and uh, sociology. So, uh, sociology being uh, being the study of people and uh, what they do, how they socialize, and things of that nature, and then psychology be uh, being the study of how people think and why they think that way. So, if you mix those two things together, then you can figure out how people do what they do, why people do what they do, and you can utilize that to figure out how best to uh, to market to those people. Um, I had a, a lot of different marketing strategies, but as I as I became more entrenched and I studied uh, uh, psychology more and I I studied sociology more, I, I had a better understanding of what made people tick and how I could mobilize them towards my goals or towards my clients' goals. So which may be. Um, to make a purchase or uh, to uh, to attend an event or to, you know, spread a word of mouth. You, you can kind of uh, create um, – you uh, you can kind of, uh, uh, like, control the zeitgeist and you can create a conversation and, like, control the conversation as opposed to trying to jump into uh, to a conversation. So when, uh, uh, when I say jump into a conversation, there's, you know, mannequin – uh, challenges and ice bucket challenge, you name it, challenge. All of those things are, or you're jumping into somebody else's conversation. Uh, somebody mm-hmm. created that uh, that conversation, and you're deciding to uh, to become a part of what they created, but you're not in control of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, uh, one thing uh, that I always say is, you dominate uh, what you can control. Uh, you don't try to, you know, con- you know, you don't try to uh, take hold of, of what someone else has already started. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you just talked about, you know, these challenges that are coming up and people, even when it comes to dances, you know, you don't, people are not being original, even with the dancing that they're doing, you know, what would you say to that person 
who is struggling to find a way to share their original idea or their, you know, who's struggling to be authentic in a world that is so, you know, full of people who are so easily led, you know, how would you say you can start a movement on your own or how would you say like they can do that successfully or effectively? So that's not a really easy question to uh, to answer because there are so many different ways. But well, what I would say is one of the best ways, and I think this is the most important way. It's kind of the same thing, all that I mentioned about the nonprofit is you have to figure out what you're passionate about. And once you are passionate about something, then you'll find ways to make it work that you never would have thought of before. But unless if you don't care. That's one thing about uh, about my marketing companies. We don't take on any clients that we don't actually uh, believe in. Um, we don't work. Uh, we try to uh, uh, to operate uh, with integrity at at, at at all costs. So if there if there if if there's a situation uh, that presents itself, we don't actually believe in the product or the client or that service, then we won't take it on because you'll be able to tell in what we in what we come up with, like what we uh, are we designed for that particular product or service is not going to be uh, uh, be the same as something that we actually believe in. I like that. Yeah, because I understand if I invest the time in something that you don't believe in or you don't feel passionate about, you know, so. I know a lot of times we see people winning awards for their work, and I know that you've actually won awards for your work. Could you tell us a little bit about how that came about? So that's a good question. Um, I, you might be able to help me figure that out more than, uh, than I can <laughs> because I don't know. So I'm I'm one of those people that I always focus on my work. I'm not really focused on get, uh, being, uh, being uh, recognized for the work. So when I get email saying that I've been nominated for this or that I'm up for that. And I mean, I'm always, you know, of course, I'm very thankful. I'm very grateful for it, but I, I don't ever think that people are actually watching or paying attention. So I don't really know how they find out about what it is that, that, uh, that I'm doing. Um, I guess it could be social media. It could be word of mouth. A lot of times people nominate me friends and family or clients, um, uh, I think a lot of it is clients. A lot of my clients uh, seem to spread the word, and that and that helps. You know, it helps a lot. Yeah, you know, I actually really appreciate that because people have told me that I don't promote myself enough, and I think that, like you said, when you love what you're doing and you're focused, you're not really looking for attention. You're doing the work, and that's the most important thing at the end of the day. But since people are noticing. And, you know, you are getting that attention. Can you tell me a little bit about how that's changed maybe your circle of friends or has that changed the people around you since you've been getting that recognition? So it hasn't necessarily changed my uh, my circle of friends. Friends, maybe. My circle of influence, yes, but not necessarily my, uh, my circle of friends because I'm still yeah. around the same people who I was around before. Right. Um I don't, I don't believe in, like, the no new friends mantra, but I don't really <laughs> – have a I don't really have a need to uh bring more people into into uh out of my circle than uh, other necessary. A lot of times that can become uh messy. Sometimes people start getting recognized or they get you know they get more money or more accolades and things and they start to change. I feel like I'm pretty much the same as I was before, but 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 I just think that with more eyes, I'm just more strategic as to what the things that I say and do because I know that they can, when when uh, people see me, they uh, they see my business, and then I, I uh, because I represent that, I don't want to 
uh, us ever do anything that would damage, you know, the people who work for me and work with me because it's not just about me anymore. Mm-hmm. So just thinking about what you just said, you know, I'm thinking about brand image and social media posts. What would you say to the person who, let's say that someone has a business and they use their social media as their personal and their professional page, what might be some things that they might want to, you know, they're clear of or maybe do to make sure that they're, you know, presenting a more unified image or, you know, the kind of image that they might want the public to be able to see? Hello? Yes, can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me now? I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, probably, uh, I don't think you can hear me before. Can you repeat oh, yeah. that question? I I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, so like, for example, I own, I have uh, one Instagram page. I have multiple Instagram pages, but I don't have a personal Instagram page. So what might you say to the person who uses their Instagram page for everything, you know, when it comes to the types of things you can post, especially when you're growing a business, you know, because people are watching and you don't know who's watching, what might you suggest to them when it comes to things that they might want to steer clear, steer clear of, you know, when it comes to posting on their social media Oh, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> um, I think that one of the biggest misconceptions people have is that when they are on their personal page, as they call it, that it's that it's somehow different than um, – than than what can be seen on their business page and a lot of separation. But I mean, just like I said, as I represent things, as I represent my or my business, uh, you represent your brand. When uh, when people look at you, uh, look at you, they see um, they see what uh, uh, what you've done, they see uh, what you're doing, and they. I mean, like, I'm like I've gone. Uh, what I call it is like oh. Uh, when you're scrolling and you go to different pages, I call those levels. So I may go 10 or 12 levels deep on somebody's page, but I might click one page and then go to another one and then go to another <laughs> one and keep going there. And before I realize it, I've, I've probably been on Instagram or Twitter or whatever for like, you know, a half hour or so just looking at stuff, just, just doing research. Mm-hmm. And people, and if I'm doing that and I'm in the business, you can imagine people who are less busy than I am, they probably spend hours doing that. So they will find it is what I'm basically saying. So my mm-hmm. um, uh, my suggestion is if, if it doesn't have anything to do with your business or if you don't want people to think those things about you, then don't post it because it will be seen. Be very, mm-hmm. very careful with the things you like, the things you comment on, because everything is all interconnected now. And as they keep changing the, uh, these algorithms soon, they'll be able to see what you screenshot and everything. So you just got to be really careful. Mm. Wow. So, you know, just considering that you are in the marketing marketing realm and you, you do, you know, research and you'll be aware, more aware of forecasting than the average person, you know, what social media platforms would you say would be the ones to focus on right now? Can you hear me? Okay, there you go. I can hear you now. Okay. So I was just saying, you know, because you are in the marketing. Wow. I, I, I apologize. I hope they're not one of your sponsors. But <laughs> no, I have T-Mobile too, and I've had to give them some phone calls in the past. <laughs> but you know, uh, just thinking about the fact that you are in marketing, what would you say would be some of the social media outlets that people should maybe start focusing on or start, 
you know, paying attention to? You know, what do you see coming like newer, up? Like uh, newer social networks, you mean? Or you mean yeah. what's, uh, uh, what's already in existence? I mean, so there's, existence and new, yeah. So there's one that, uh, that I can give you. Um, I mean, I would say Snapchat, but because Snapchat is not, it's not really like, it's not like underground anymore. It's, I mean, people know about Snapchat. It's not a secret. Like, if you're not on Snapchat, then you're missing out. Um, because Snapchat is, so it really depends. Let me back up. So it really depends on what you're trying to do and who you are. Everybody does not need to be on every social network. Every business does not need to be on every social network. There's the, uh, the first thing that uh, most clients say to me is I need a Twitter, a Facebook, and I need an excuse me, I need an Instagram. And the first thing I say to them is why? <laughs> like I'm asking mm-hmm. them why. Why do you think you need that? Like what 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 purpose is Twitter going to serve if your business is I don't even know. I can't even think of anything that uh, that you might necessarily need a Twitter for unless you're a blogger or you have a radio show or like so so like you. You need a Twitter because people who listen to your show want to want to be able to talk to each other about it, use the hashtag and comment on different things that, uh, that are on the show while they're listening to it and, mm-hmm. you know, share with their friends. But uh, you may not necessarily need that. It, it's just something that, uh, that's additional. Dominate uh, what you can control. I guess that's going to be the theme of this interview. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dominate what you can control. If you can't manage, if you can't effectively manage multiple social networks, choose one and focus on that. You can have a Twitter, have an Instagram, have a Facebook, but focus on 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 whichever one is going to generate uh, the most traffic or whichever one has generated uh, the most traffic for you or for your business. Um, and don't try to spread yourself too thin. There, uh, there are people I know who, who, um, who have Instagram boutiques, but they have a Twitter, they have a Pinterest, they have a Tumblr, they have everything, and it's just not necessary. I mean, how many places can people look at clothes? Like it's not you're like like mm-hmm. you know, and where and you need to be. So if you if you have an Instagram boutique, then you want people to uh, to only see your stuff where they can make a purchase. Uh, they can't buy anything from uh, from Pinterest. I mean, not not uh, 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 not directly. There's ways, but uh, they can't necessarily buy those things from. Uh, from Pinterest, or they can't buy them directly from uh, from Twitter. Now, of course, all of these networks are rolling out a lot of new stuff, and I could go on for days about the the uh, new additions of the uh, of the social networks. Uh, but those are just examples I'm saying of things that that I feel like people waste time and money on when they could be focusing on uh, some other things that may actually bring them uh, the revenue that that they're seeking. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that. With Facebook uh, uh, basically swallowing up the uh, the social network universe one by one, they uh, they bought WhatsApp. They have Messenger now as like its own social network. They have you know they have Instagram and they have the Facebook native app. Um, I would definitely try to you know focus on that network. Um, I, I do a lot of international business. WhatsApp is one of my best friends. Um, so uh, so with that. Uh, there, uh, there are certain things you need based on what your business needs. Um, there's a new app that's uh, uh, actually it's either being launched or it might uh, by the time this airs it might be launched. Uh, it's called a uh, Fractograph. So, uh, 
a Fractograph is like a fusion of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those things at once. So what uh, what the app actually does is you can, instead of posting pictures, you post like albums, so to speak. So you would scroll your timeline the same way that you would do with Instagram, but when you click on a picture, you can like that picture, but but if you double tap on it or if you take your two fingers and you zoom in, you see that that one picture is made up of oh. maybe dozens or like hundreds of pictures and you can go in and look at those pictures and if you like something on one of those pictures then they uh, they can have links embedded in them where you can make a purchase or they can lead you to a store or you can buy tickets or whatever the case may be it depends on what you're looking at i think that's the future is being able to drive these uh, uh, these experiences um from uh, from social media, it's not just about uh, about uh, what I call a vanity metrics. Um, uh, vanity metrics are likes and follows and things that you can't uh, uh, directly monetize. I feel like that only makes you feel good. Like, oh, a hundred people like my post. Well, how many of those people did uh, did you make any money from uh, uh, any of those people? A thousand mm-hmm. people watch my video. Did they buy your T-shirt though? Did mm-hmm. they buy your album? They, uh, you know what I mean? Those things. Um, uh, I think that you can utilize uh, vanity metrics to create uh, uh, to create value, but they don't directly have a, have have like an intrinsic value. Uh, you have to kind of like create the value based on uh, 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 based on what on on those vanity metrics. Yeah. Okay. So for the smaller business owner who might not invest in marketing. What would you say would be a good time to start investing in marketing, things like Facebook ads and Twitter? I mean, if they right need now. Twitter. So right, <laughs> right now. Right now. The, okay. uh, the, sooner, uh, the, sooner, the sooner you invest in marketing, the less expensive it will be. Mm. Um, and I'm talking about the, uh, the opportunity cost. I just, I just mean overall, like you, uh, you will save yourself time, uh, time, energy, and money. Uh, that's one thing uh, that I always say. I tell my clients to uh, create a marketing, uh, create a marketing system as as early as possible, and with uh, and and uh, that system uh, that represents uh, that's an acronym stands for save yourself time, energy, money. Because well, what you end up doing when you try to handle the marketing yourself, uh, once again, uh, you start to spread yourself too thin. And if you don't know anything about marketing, it will cause whoever you have working on your marketing, they'll have to do more rework than they'll have to do actual work. Mm. Okay. All right. So that's, that's really good advice because, honestly, I'll be honest, I have not invested in marketing, and now I'm at the point where, you know when you you know you have a great product and you know that it just has to be put in front of people and now I'm at the point where I'm like I have to invest in this there's no other option. So for let's say someone who might be interested in contacting you for your services, you know what is like the smallest client you take on, you know, is there a minimum, you know, size of a company that you're willing to work with? You know, what kind of options do you have or do you offer? So we have we have uh, certain packages that are for uh, specific services, but uh, but in general, each plan is, uh, they're uh, they're all custom. So it really mm-hmm. depends on what you need. 
It could be something that may take us an hour. It could be something that takes us a year. So mm-hmm. it really depends on what the on what the need is. Uh, most of our clients are on retainer because we uh, we have uh, we have uh, continual services. So it's not just a one time thing. But some things are. Sometimes they might say. Uh, uh, we need uh, we need somebody to uh, you know write our Instagram bio or to rewrite you know something you know sometimes it's just copywriting things and we have copywriters that have bloggers uh, they may need you know ghost bloggers or you know different things there uh, there's a lot of different ways that um, that uh, that you can get involved uh, so to speak so that's I mean that's kind of um, that's kind of it's it's really difficult to say like a price point. So normally, like, like so, so if somebody needs a website, uh, most of our websites start around fifteen hundred, but that's not a set in stone number because you may only need a one page website with you know a few paragraphs. It may just be a, 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 a be an event page. You may need an an event description written for uh, for an Eventbrite, or you may need a whole marketing campaign for some product that uh, that you're about to roll out. And you need you need a street team, you need brand ambassadors, and you may need like actual manpower, and that can be you know, that can be more expensive. Uh, some of the larger projects that we've worked on are the Forbes Under Thirty Conference, uh, 2014 and 2015. We worked on uh, uh, the World Meeting of Families uh, when it came to Philadelphia uh, last year in 2015. Um, uh, the papal visit uh, when the Pope came uh, to visit Philadelphia. Uh, we did. Uh, uh, we handled the marketing for that, and 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 a slew of other large projects. But we've also worked on smaller projects uh, locally here and here in Philadelphia, which is where we're based. And and I keep mentioning Philadelphia because uh, we're based in Philadelphia. But we work on projects all over the world. Um, I just spent the last uh, two and a half weeks in Europe um, working on some things or for some clients that I, I can't necessarily speak about. But that we. Uh, 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 we were there working on on client working and meeting new potential clients and possibly you know working on some things with them and they may be you know and and the projects that uh, we discussed that day range from large to uh, large to small projects some of them you know may take a couple hours or or like a few days and some of them may take a couple of months and you have to uh, to adjust your budget based on your expectations a lot of people come with very, very high expectations and very, very small budgets. And those two things do not go together um, mm-hmm. because I'm not doing this stuff all by myself. Like, I could charge differently if I was just, you know, a practitioner, if I was just a specialist, then, uh, then I could charge lower prices. But when you have uh, – when you need a, a team of people uh, to work on a project, it would be just like if you were – if you – if if you had a team of people or had a team of employees at your job, it's like the same thing. You need to be able to pay them for uh, for their time, or uh, to compensate them for their time. So if I'm if I'm bringing on a project and I assess that uh, uh, once we go through a needs analysis, which is the first step, uh, that's free. You know, we do a free needs analysis and figure out what it is that you need. And then if I if I assess or one of my partners assesses that you need, oh, this project could take three people or this project could take six people, then we need to be able to make sure that uh, that the budget can fit that. If not, then we can always scale it, but we don't cheat you or cheat ourselves because what I don't want is, once again, I represent my brand, but uh, also my brand represents me. 
and not mm-hmm. just on social media, just in general. So if we don't deliver, if we don't uh, 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 don't execute, I'm not sure if anybody listening knows about boxing, but Floyd Mayweather is not going to get in the ring with uh, with Mike Tyson because that would just damage his record, and I'm pretty sure it would hurt. So we uh, we won't uh, we won't uh, uh, we won't take on a project that's larger than what we can handle uh, with, uh, within your budget because if we don't succeed, then you don't look bad. We look bad. Uh, we look unprofessional. Like we couldn't deliver well uh, what it is that you were asking for. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I think that's really great that you start with that needs analysis because if not, like you said, like you can leave people unhappy or you end up hurting yourself in the process. So like, you talked a little bit about travel, and I know like I saw from your Instagram page that you do travel often. You know, what would you say that travel has done for you and your outlook of the world or people in general? It's a game changer perspective-wise. Um, it, it kind of, when I, 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 I had an idea of what I thought the, you know, so uh, uh, let me say this, and this is once again being uh, being politically correct and not to uh, to offend anybody, but um, one of the things that I learned is that um, that uh, that America has a particular slant on certain information, and if you don't. If you don't get outside of America, and this is not just, I mean, I'm pretty sure that your show is heard all over the world. So it's not just for people who live in the States, but where, uh, wherever you're from, if you don't get outside of where you're from, then you really don't understand what the other parts of the world are like. You can't just watch the news. You can't just go by what people tell you. You, you have to go to these places and actually see them. Um, when last year, well, uh, most of the time I I travel by myself. So last year, um, I went to uh, uh, uh to the UAE, uh, uh, the uh, uh, the United Arab Emirates. Uh, I went to uh, Qatar, uh, 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 Dubai, and um, and, and Abu Dhabi. So w- when I was in Abu Dhabi. And in Dubai, when I was no, before I was leaving, people were asked, "Oh, you know, are you going anywhere soon?" And like, I don't even uh, really tell people when I'm traveling because I don't like people to be able to track my whereabouts. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the people who I did tell, I said, "Oh yeah, I'm going by myself," and they would say, "Who are you going with?" And I would say, "Me." And they would ask, "Wow, you're going to go over there by yourself? Are you? Are you? You know, are you concerned with uh, with making it back?" And I'm like, "Well, when I leave my house every day, I'm concerned if I'm going to make mm-hmm. it back or not." Yeah. So that I mean that could be anywhere. People are looking at 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 a television, and they're assuming that 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 that's reality. That they think that that Dubai is like Iraq or that is like Iran, and even those places have have um safe zones. It's not that like uh, you leave the country and everyone wants to kill you. Like that's uh, that's not the reality of it. Like that's mm-hmm. uh, that's that uh, that's a reality. Uh, uh, that may be somebody's reality, uh, but that's not the uh, that's not the reality. Um, I felt safer in Dubai than, than I feel in some places in America. I've been to Chicago. I've never been uh, like I've never felt like I was probably going to be murdered. That you know you know that yeah. you know that. 
that uh, that much in my life until I went to Chicago. But yeah. then, uh, but then the the uh, uh, the flip side of that is that I'm in Dubai at 3 a.m. playing soccer in one of in what they would call the hood here here in the state, uh, or what they would call the hood. And there's a bunch of children running around, and everybody's smiling and laughing and playing, and it's just like a happy experience. But nobody mm-hmm. is concerned about getting hurt. They don't care about stuff like that. Uh, there's places. I'm pretty sure that there's some places uh, that you wouldn't walk around at three in the morning, but mm-hmm. that you know that's uh, that's not one of them. Um, I, I think if I had to choose another place to live, it may be one of those. And you know maybe the same thing um, with uh, uh, my trip to Europe. I mean uh, that was my uh, my first time in Europe. It definitely won't be my last. But no, 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 it was my first time. I'm sorry, but it, it was my first time uh, being there for that long. And I honestly almost didn't come home. I left mm-hmm. on election day, so things had changed since I left. Um, but but I mean, just that it was just such a welcoming environment. And once again, it could be because I'm not from there. Because I'm pretty sure that people come to Philadelphia and they think it's the same thing. They think it's probably all glitz and glamour too. But that's with uh, with anywhere. There's going to be trouble anywhere. There's going to be, you know, fun and there's going to be danger. And it's, I mean, that's I mean, that's a part of life. These things are all over the world. So you can't just judge it from, you know, from uh, 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 from behind your computer screen or from behind your phone or from your living room. But you got to get out and see the world. Um, and being able to work with people from different cultures, from different places all over the world, um, it's kind of helped me grow. It's helped me change my uh, my marketing strategy because a lot of the things that I may do here in the States may not work over there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, 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 so I definitely think. I mean, if I had to shorten it, I guess I would say it definitely helps with you know perspective. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to shorten it. That was a great answer. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, definitely. You know, I I try to think of flights, and so now I'm getting to the point where I'm meeting people from so many different places, and I want to venture out. And I feel that a lot of us we limit ourselves because we see these places as being dangerous because we've never been there, or people tell us these horror stories or things that they see on the news. But in reality, like you said, like once you get there, you have a whole, you have a different experience. You never know what your experience might be. So it's just really just being open and receptive. So I'm wondering, just thinking of all the amazing things you're doing right now, and I know that you have great things in store, you know, what would you say your crazy dream would be? Can you hear me? Hello. All right, there you go. I can hear you now. You okay, hear me? Okay. You. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I, I heard what you said. You you couldn't hear me. Okay. Um, you you were asking me what was next, basically, or what or what I'm working on next. That's well, no, not what you're working on next. Just thinking about all the amazing things you're doing right now. I'm asking okay, you. Okay, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> all good. It's all good. <laughs> so my question is, what is your crazy dream? What is the thing? that you would like to see, you know, achieved in this lifetime that you that you see yourself working towards? Um, okay. my crazy dream. Let me see. Hmm. How how, how crazy are we talking? <laughs> uh, I want you to get real crazy. <laughs> okay. So, 
one of the things that I uh, that I did most recently, or uh, that uh, that I started most recently um, through uh, through my nonprofit organization, is we opened up a, a community garden, a community farm, in in Philadelphia. And one of the things that I really want to do, um, the reason why we uh, uh, we opened the garden was, you know, uh, to combat food deserts, which is one of the biggest epidemics. Um, or it's it's one it's one of hello. Sorry, I I dropped the phone. Sorry about that. Can mm-hmm. you hear me? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. So it's one of the I, I'm not gonna say it's one of the uh, 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 the biggest epidemics, but it's one of the most recently named epidemics, I guess you can say, because food deserts have been a problem for as long as I can remember being alive. Um, now that I know what the what the definition is, but I mean, before they named it, it, it was still an issue. And my dream is to really to like eradicate deep poverty. And I know that sounds crazy. I mean, it sounds really crazy because it's it's, it's virtually impossible um, with the way that our societies are designed, which is for perpetual poverty, um, because it's big business. But I really, I I really want to be able to create a sustainable community. So that people will have food, uh, food access, which is one of the things that I just from uh, from traveling the world, I see different things. I, I I you start to think that you know maybe this is a problem that uh, that only you recognize and that you're the only person who sees that that uh, you know this is an issue. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I really think that there I've seen different methods uh, uh, to attack this. And different ways to uh, to approach uh, 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 this poverty issue, and mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah. it's like I'm 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 laughing, but it's really not funny because I'm just thinking of the fact that there's a a couple of things that that I wanted to say that you may think that you may think are crazier than this. But I really think that this is crazier than anything uh, that I could say because mm-hmm. what I'm asking is for people to set aside their greed and to actually care about what happens uh, to other people. And that is just, it seems like an impossible notion. It seems like people just are not going to put aside um, their, uh, 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 their selfish desires to, you know, to help others. Yeah, well, you know what? They say everything is impossible until someone does it, right? Exactly. I mean, I mean, people told me that uh, they, uh, uh, they said, you're going to uh, build a farm in West Philadelphia? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, that's impossible until I did it. <laughs> and, there was, you know, and now somebody else can look at it maybe from, you know, where, where are you from? Uh, oh, from Brooklyn, from New York. Okay, from Brooklyn. Now, now somebody can do it in Brooklyn. And somebody mm-hmm. can do it in Chicago. And somebody can do it in D.C. Somebody can, you know, now... Hopefully, uh, we've inspired uh, somebody else to do it as well. Please excuse that noise. My dog is going crazy with uh, with this chew toy. I don't understand why, but (laughs) sorry. No, it's okay. We're actually coming to the end of the show, Rashad. I want to thank you so much for being on. And I definitely want to have you back on the show again. And I'm going to I would absolutely love that. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I want to make sure that we do connect again. I'm going to uh, 
put your information on all of the outlets where we post this interview. And, you know, what you just talked about, it has a lot of meaning to me as well. You know, I almost I almost lost my life to a condition that was caused by, I think, my eating habits as well as stress and lifestyle habits. And we need to have these conversations. And like you said, those food deserts, those food swamps, they Absolutely. Need, yeah, they need to be Absolutely. addressed. You food, know, what? I mean, food. Uh, food access is such a is such a polarizing topic because when 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 you talk to certain people, it depends on what level you go to. But once you get to a to a certain level, people turn their ears off because you're talking about taking money out of their pockets to give it to somebody else, and they start calling it socialism and all these other things. Mm-hmm. When that that's just called being a good human being. If being mm-hmm. a if, if if being a good human being makes me a socialist, then I guess I'm a socialist. Like I'm like I don't even know why why that's such a bad thing. I mean I know that be mm-hmm. that uh, all that socialism has like this negative connotation because of the Cold War and all that other stuff. But it, well, when you really think about the the uh, 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 the concept of socialism is basically the the uh, the actual concept, not what it, what it's turned into and like. And like Cuba and with Castro and all those things, but well, uh, uh, what the uh, what the core tenets are is really just caring about your fellow man as much as you care about yourself, and mm-hmm. like how hard is that really? Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's hard at all when we take the greed, like you said, take the greed out of it, and we look at the bigger picture. And at the end of the day, if someone is suffering, then at the end of the day, like we're all losing in some way because if we were to really work together, we could heal each other, we could answer each other's issues, you know. But because it's like we're so caught up on, you know, ownership and our needs and putting ourselves first, and we're taught that. You know, like you said, like so- sociology, psychology, you know, we're taught to think like me first. We're taught to have these nationalistic type views. We're taught to, and then when we when we go for the na- the nationalistic type view, we go to the state, you know, this very divisive behavior. But, you know, we're a community, regardless of, you know, where the borders end, we're a community, you know, at the end of the day, like, if we're, we are in this together. So I don't, I, I think that what you're saying, and when I think about history, the people who are doing the most positive things are usually demonized in the beginning, you know, because. Oh, of the, course. And yeah. I, I don't, I, I, I kind of, like, skated over Castro because uh, my views of him are different from, like, the public opinion or a popular mm-hmm. opinion. And that's, I mean, it's the same way uh, with a lot of people. These people may have done some terrible, terrible things, and I and I complete like I don't uh, just for clarification because once again I gotta do damage control. I'm yeah. not saying that Castro was always a good person. I'm not saying any of those things. Mm-hmm. But and just like I mean, just uh, 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 even you know there are there are people who who advocate for Castro. There are people who who advocate for George W. Bush. They would uh, advocate for uh, Joseph Stalin and Hitler and all these other people. I mean, they can uh, you can pick and choose what you like about a person and turn them into whoever you want them to be. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that that's wholly who they are. Um, and and you can't necessarily take uh, just because you don't like the the major parts of what a person did. It doesn't negate everything that they've ever done. I mean, some people look. Uh, some people don't like President Obama, uh, but I bet if they, if they got free health care, then they're not. Then uh, that's not a part they don't like. Uh, they just don't mm-hmm. like everything else. No, it's true. It's true. Have you ever done any work with City Harvest? With 
City Harvest? No, I never heard of him before. But you can definitely connect me with him. Possibly. I was gonna say I live with a person who's like really uh, heavily involved with City Harvest here in New York. So yeah, please do. Yeah, I'm gonna give him your. Inform- Is it okay if I give him your information? Sure, sure. So you can give him his phone number. It's my work number. Okay, perfect. All right, this is great. All right, so I'm going to pass on your info. I'm definitely going to be in touch with you again because I'm planning events, and I'm looking to invite the people who have interviewed to these events to speak and educate people. Sure. Because, I'm yeah. in Brooklyn all the time. Uh, uh, actually, uh, when I first saw it, um, like, just because I was talking, I kind of forgot where we were from when I saw it on the thing. But um, when, you, uh, when, uh, when you asked me to do the interview, that day I was in Brooklyn. I thought you were going to ask me to come back to Brooklyn, and I'm always looking for an excuse to go back to Brooklyn. <laughs> so there's no problem. I love nice. Well, now you have one. I love uh-huh. old Brooklyn and new Brooklyn. <laughs> it's completely different than I remember it, but uh, but I like new Brooklyn too. <laughs> uh, uh, say that last part again. Anywhere you go, it's always a gift and a happy experience. Anywhere you go, there's always something to learn. There's always something new. Absolutely. Um, I had um, um, a, a day I was in Brooklyn. I was there with a client, and we were riding down, uh, ugh, I can't remember what it was. It's a, uh, whatever block runs into the Barclays Center. Um, and we came, yeah, yeah, we ride down Atlantic, and we got uh, to Atlantic and State, <laughs> and we looked to the right, and, and 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 there were people taking pictures in front of this building. And when I looked closer to see what the address was, it was 560 State Street. And I just bust out laughing. I'm like, people really turned Jay-Z's old drug house into, like, a landmark. Like, where, where he used to stash his drug money is, like, now it's like, a, it's like a landmark. People go there to take pictures. And that's the thing. I mean, that's one thing. That's the uh, that's the thing about uh, about branding is Jay Z has been has been consistent about who he was and what his brand was from the beginning, where he came from and where he was trying to go. And uh, one of the things that he did not to uh, not to damage his brand is he doesn't talk. <laughs> you know, he he doesn't. Mm. Uh, the only time uh, the only time we hear from Jay Z is when he's putting out an album or when something is happening. Uh, we don't just hear Jay Z like you know, he doesn't tweet. He doesn't. Uh, post on Instagram. He's not a, doing a bunch of interviews. Like he's not doing that because that's how how you uh, how you damage yourself. Uh, once you pick a side, then you become a target. Mm. Wow. Yeah. You know what's so interesting because like when it comes to like my branding, because I'm, I'm starting to really think about this now. And the funny thing is that I'm a ghostwriter. Like I do content creation and and influencer marketing for a leading organic brand, and I don't talk about it at all. And that's part of the reason, like, I don't really post as many product images because I'm so focused on learning with this brand, you know. And I'm like, I pulled back from it because I'm like, no, I want to rebrand and really do this right. And, you know, just I'm also a holistic health coach, and I'm a coach. I'm going to be working out of, out of a, like, really thriving physical more about like everything I say because I am thinking about starting a nonprofit and I am thinking about donations and I am like in the mindset of like people are watching and I know people are watching already but I know it's going to come like at a whole another level they're going to be like really analyzing what I say and what I'm thinking through these posts and through these tweets you know especially as as an influencer, I do I do influencer marketing. I've done influencer marketing. If you if you scroll my page, yeah. I, I can't necessarily say who I've done it for, but if you scroll my page, you can figure it out. 
So mm-hmm. you'll, uh, you'll be able to tell which one of those was sponsored content. But um, when I do it, I do it so organically that you you would really, you might have seen it and didn't even notice because I never mm-hmm. wanted to be, like, I want to be able to be myself. Like, I like for of everything that I'm doing, I always try to remain me. I don't want to do anything that takes me out of who I actually am because then I'll become an actor, and that's not my line of work. <laughs> I'm, I'm by trade, not yet at least. Mm-hmm. Not yet. I'm not an actor right now. I'm just a marketing consultant. So <laughs> I don't want to have to, you know, pretend to be somebody else. Um, yeah. If that was the case, then I would still work in corporate America because that's what I spent most of my time there doing, pretending. So yeah, I'm uh, putting um. on the mask, as they say. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, you know, it's funny on my, on the Crazy Jean page, I actually put up a post about that and I was like, take off the mask, you know, it's like, we're so, it's always like this image, like we're taught to like present these images and it's like, no, like this is real life, you know, like these are real things that are happening. Like we can, yeah, yeah like we can create solutions from our experiences, you know, like even just having that interview with you, you know, like I'm thinking about it because like I actually just started another uh, Instagram page, you know, for the nonprofit, and it's called is, National. Hmm? Is that the one that you uh, 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 that you messaged me from? Uh, I know you messaged me from one uh, by accident. You said was that the page? Well, that's the page for the podcast. That's for the, the interview we Okay, okay, okay. I couldn't remember yeah. which uh, which one it was. I couldn't remember uh, what it was for. I just know I never looked at it. But you yeah. said it was an accident, and I'm like, maybe it's something I'm not supposed to see. <laughs> I, did, I never. I didn't even look at it. I was like, okay. <laughs> No, no, no. That's the podcast page. That's a crazy dream. <laughs> but the um, nonprofit is called Naturally Inflamed, and I'm going to be, like, working on the formation, you know, within the next couple of weeks. Well, you know, getting started. But just in that mindset of, like, how can I take, you know, and I've been kind of in this place, but now I'm at the point where I'm, like, it's time to really actively, you know, start doing this. So I've really been actively reaching out to people that can help me do it. So um, I'm definitely going to be in touch with you, like, marketing purposes, you know. Okay, I'm gonna, like, sure. Yeah, I'm going to stack up some money first. I have a budget we can work with. <laughs> no problem. No, uh, no problem at all. I always say no project too small because somebody will do it. <laughs> somebody okay. will, uh, will figure out a way. So, so, you know, so I, I just – I just try to you know, make sure. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so basically, there's a there's a needs analysis form that okay. you fill out, and and the form answers you know some basic questions of that I need to know before we get started. Mm-hmm. Um, and then based on that, I'll figure out I'll I'll do my assessment. Um, I basically handle all like new clients, so I'll I'll go over your uh, uh, your needs analysis form, give you an assessment of what I think you need. Um, and then based on that, then we'll either set up a conference call or like a meeting to, you know, figure out if you if you agree, then I'll draw up the agreement, and then we can go from there. Yeah. Okay. Nice. All right. So then we could talk. I would say next week. You know what I mean? And just start the session. Next week is good for me. All right. Nice. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rashad. This is great. Like it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I'm excited it's, to see. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. No problem at all. And now you have my phone number. This is uh, my direct number. So if you ever need me, you can reach me at this number. All right, perfect. Nice. All right. All right, great. I'm going to pass your number on, like I said, too. Like, I'm going to pass that over to him today. Sure, so that way sure. Please time. do. Yeah. Okay, great. Have a good day. All right, you do the same. All right, take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye.